In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Good News for the City the broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC. My name is Brian Bales, and I have the privilege every week to come into your car or whether you're listening on a smart speaker or even at your home and talk about this truth, the good news that is the gospel. And if you don't catch me on your radio or in your car, your smart speaker, and you want to catch me in person, of course, you could come and visit me at Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia, where I have the privilege to be the lead pastor. Today, we're going to talk about a really important topic. And I say that, and I want you to know every topic we talk about is really important. But when it comes to spiritual leadership, we all need to grow in that area, no matter how long we've been doing it. And spiritual leadership can be defined as moving people onto God's agenda. We see this in scripture. Joshua, he heard from the Lord that Jericho was to be delivered into his hands if he followed that an incredible plan of marching around the city for seven times on the seventh day, blowing trumpets and shouting. It made no sense, but it was God's plan. Gideon also had a plan that, that didn't make a lot of sense in some ways, but it was God's plan. And in both cases, the leader heard from God and then had the influence to move God's people onto God's agenda. You might say that the way that they understood leadership and it is the way to understand leadership, was listening to God and then having the courage to respond faithfully. Because it's one thing to know what God wants to do. It's another thing to respond to what God wants us to do. By the way, the formula is the same today, yet we have to admit it's not always easy to do it. Our leadership challenges today are different contextually, but not spiritually. We still have spiritual battles that cannot be won by human means. And our guest today is going to be sharing his perspectives on the unique challenges of spiritual leadership in these times of cultural chaos and leading through the challenges being faced by churches. He's going to be discussing details of an upcoming leadership summit designed to equip leaders with God's blueprint for kingdom building. So welcome to the show, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Watley. Pastor Watley, thanks for joining us today. Pastor Brian, thanks so much for having me. I have to be honest, when I was reading your bio, I was worn out just reading it. I can't imagine actually doing all these things. So I'm going to give people a little bit understanding of your background so why they understand that this conference that you are sponsoring and you're a catalyst for, they should engage about leadership. You're the founder and senior pastor of Kingdom Fellowship AME in Calverton, Maryland. It has an active membership of over 5,000 people and reaches thousands more through the church's online platform. You are a third-generation preacher, author, businessman, lecturer, and professor, you're nationally and globally recognized for your extensive work in ministry and, of course, your experience in leadership development. You're the author of a book called Ignite, 50 Days of Prayer That Would Change Your Life, and you co-author Poems of a Son, Prayers of a Father with the Reverend Dr. William D. Watley, your father, right? 
His writings have also been included in several other works. Uh, you hold a BA in political science? By the way, so do I. Amazing. This is how God moved people to ministry Great through stuff, a BA right? in political science, right? <laughs> a Master of Divinity from Howard in Washington, D.C., an Executive Master's in Leadership from Georgetown University, and a Master's of Arts in Education and Human Development from the George Washington University, and an Honorary Doctorate of Humane Letters from Wiley College in 2020. And you're presently a candidate for the Doctor of Ministry from Fuller Theological Seminary. See, I told you folks that are listening today, he's a busy man. But I think the thing he would be most proud of is the fact that he's married to the former Miss Shauna Francis. Uh, she is a senior policy advisor in the government group of Holland and Knight, and they are proud parents of beautiful and talented. I love how you wrote this. It was Miss Alexandria Elizabeth. She's clearly a teenager. I know that from uh, as our she talks is. earlier on. Yeah. And so, hey, let's just dive in from there. Leadership's mm-hmm. a buzzword. People talk about it a lot, but just because someone uses the word doesn't necessarily under- mean that they understand it and know how to do it. But we often look to people that God is using to glean from some things, and God is using you greatly at Kingdom Fellowship, and you've got a new campus, the church continues to grow, and having community impact. So give us a snapshot of where you primarily lead and what God has been doing before we sort of move on into this idea of the Kingdom Leadership Summit that's coming up. Sure. Well, Pastor Brian, I just want to say, you know, leadership is my passion, mm-hmm. and it is an art and a science, and all of us are still trying to figure it out. And I think, you know, over the last few years, based on what's happening in our culture and what's happened, you know, with COVID, all of us have been, you know, stretched to tensile strength as it relates to our own individual leadership at the individual, the interpersonal, the institutional level. And so uh, for Kingdom Fellowship, I've been uh, blessed to serve as senior pastor. It's kind of a crazy uh, story. We actually started uh, out of a campus that had been previously called Reed Temple North. I started that campus back in 2006. And when the senior pastor retired, uh, our bishop said, listen, you take your congregation and just go separately. So my first day of being appointed, my first assignment was to transfer all of our assets and to sign for our construction loan yeah, that's, as my first act. They don't teach that in seminary, right? That doesn't they come do in the basic MDiv. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or I miss the class. So, so literally, uh, you know, making up as we're going on, building as we drive. Uh, and so we were poised to start our campaign, our construction, and then COVID hit. And so now I'm faced with the prospect of do we build uh, this new uh, campus in the middle of this unprecedented pandemic for our generation? Uh, I figured the bank would back out. You know, I know I would have. Sure. And we called them and they were ready. I figured our general contractor would have cold feet. He was good to go. And so I figured, okay, I know what will happen. The members themselves, they'll, they'll lower their giving, and that will be my way of getting out of this. They started giving more. <laughs> so, so like Gideon, I was the reluctant leader uh, because I didn't want to, to, to do what Jesus had warned us about, which was to have a half-built building. <laughs> uh, but we went forward, and we actually started and completed our construction during the pandemic. We actually just went into our Kingdom Worship Center uh, on Easter of this year. Well, that's a wonderful story. And it's an amazing when we think about, especially the story of Gideon, that from the beginning when Jesus showed up to Gideon, he called him a mighty man of valor. Yet there was nothing particularly about Gideon at that moment that made him look like that. But God is the one who designed us. He's the one that made us. So he knows what we're supposed to be doing if we're going to ask him and follow him. And so I think all leaders have a story. We all wind up in a particular place. I think your story is unique. We were talking about this off radio just a couple moments ago. I'm the son of a pastor. You're a third-generation pastor. That has to influence your story. But in your story and how you've grown in this pastoral family and pastoral ministry, what have you learned about yourself and God? I think I've learned about myself that 
uh, I am more creative and more resilient than I would have expected. Sort of like Gideon. Sure. That when God speaks to him, he he's not at all convinced that God's accurate in his description. Yeah. Uh, and that has been part of the joy of the journey of ministry uh, mm-hmm. that I've learned that God has placed, you know, capacities and resources within my psyche and my spirit that have only been revealed through crisis and, and trial and circumstance. So I think that's what I've learned about myself and learned about God, that God honors effort, mm-hmm. that God grades on the curve and that while I may not always have the right answer and know all that I should, God really acknowledges my attempt to try to do the right thing and and adds favor to my efforts. And so I think that's something that has encouraged me uh, down through the years to, to get back to our, our story for a minute. Before we separated, we actually were trying to buy a separate office tower uh, to do the same thing, build a new worship center. Turns sure. out we couldn't build there, but it turns out that the FDA awarded a, a huge lease to that building. So we bought it as a uh, an investment. Mm-hmm. And then when we found the place that we ultimately ended up building, we had ended up not buying one building, but two. And the second building is a hundred thousand square foot tower that we're using as our outreach center. And then we received about 13 million from the state and the federal government to build it out, to, to provide feeding and clothing and a job placement training and healthcare. And so again, it's one of those, you didn't see it up front. You mm-hmm. can't at all take credit for it, but because you were trying to do the right thing, God superseded your expectation. You're deserving. That's my testimony. Yeah, there's so much there we can dig in, and maybe we need to have you back for another show to talk about how God doesn't need us to do anything for him. Rather, he wants our heart and to live from him and what that looks like, especially when we step out in those Gideon moments or those moments like Joshua stepped out of those moments that you talked about just right there, stepping out in faith, especially during all the things that begin to happen during the pandemic. Now, there's this question that comes up from time to time. I think people are like, well, God, what do you really want? But when we look at Scripture, God's actually answered the question. It's Micah chapter 6. You know, depending upon what background, I grew up in church, and we had the King James Version all the time. So I still hear it in the King James Version. I don't know what background you grew up or what our listeners. Maybe they don't even know what Matthew chapter 6 verse 8 is. That's okay. Here's what it is. He's shown you, old man, what to do, and what does God want from you, require of you. And it says this, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Now, in many ways— that's the opposite of what culture often paints a picture of what leadership is. Mm-hmm. Humility doesn't exist a lot. Power exists more. Doing justice, eh, we could talk about that some as well, depending upon the leader. But there's not a lot of leadership culturally, externally, outside of the kingdom ideas that paint this idea there. So for our listeners who maybe have a different view of what God's looking for, or maybe didn't know what God was looking for, especially when it comes to leadership, would you sort of paint a picture of what that looks like for you and your life and your church and your calling as well as for them? Sure. I think at, at the base level, uh, we have to make a strong distinction between the, the biblical mandate for leadership mm. and all the cultural, political, social influences that seep into our psyche without our awareness. Um, that we're operating oftentimes from leadership models that are divorced from scripture and often antithetical to scripture. And so one of the things that we're committed to as a congregation is to make sure, and and, in fact, if you ever come to our service, you'll hear me address the congregation every time I or anyone else approaches the microphone, that the person will say kingdom and the congregation will respond focused Mm. because you recognize that at the end of the day, we all have the choices to make at a daily, at a moment-by-moment basis as to how we live our lives. And we want to make sure that as much as possible, those decisions are being first and primarily influenced by the kingdom. 
So, so for that, for, for me, that means making sure that my heart and my spirit are appropriately aligned with God's priority for his church and for his congregation, for his community. So that, so that as we're uh, aligning our budget, as we're aligning our staff, as we're uh, driving uh, our outreach efforts, that we want to make sure that they're not to build a great institution, that we're not to, to build the name of a great individual, but we really are trying to make sure that we're going to build our chapter of the kingdom of God so that there's something for the next generation to build on. Uh, when, when we uh, came into the building last year, when we were still building it, yeah. I actually gave a hundred year vision statement for our congregation because I said, listen, we've seen all kinds of buildings repurposed. And if we don't do a good job of laying a spiritual foundation, this building can easily, that can happen within Mm -hmm. a generation. So for me, it's about making sure we're aligned with the word. Love that. Uh, I often in services at Christian Fellowship with Ephesians chapter 3, now to him who is able to immeasurably reward, reminding ourselves that he's the one that deserves the glory and he's actually the power that uses us to keep that focus in the right place. And I think it's really easy. I'm just going to speak for myself, but I don't think I'm alone, especially over this pandemic time of the last 30 months or so that we seem to be making our way out of, that we can get weary and we can begin to miss certain things. And even the best of leaders were very tried during this time, maybe need to be sharpened like the ax has gotten dull, or maybe we realize we weren't even using the right tool. Who knows? So I want to switch to talk about a little bit this upcoming leadership summit. Now you're the catalyst behind it and it's termed a blueprint for kingdom building. So uh, tell us a little bit about this upcoming leadership summit. Give us the, the dates so people can connect with and tell us about what's going on, the background, the purpose, those sort of things. Sure. Well, we're really excited about it. It's coming up next week, November 15th or the 17th. And uh, we're going to have, we have an array of amazing pastors and church leaders that are going to be presenting uh, about different aspects of ministry. And we made, we were intentional first about covenanting with each speaker. I actually had a personal conversation with each invitee to say, listen, this is not an infomercial for how wonderful you and your ministry are. Cause I've been to those sessions before. Sure. And as a, as a participant, you actually end up feeling, you know, disempowered because you feel like, oh, well, they have all the answers and I'm still trying to figure it out. So I said, yeah, I think we've been to some of the same conferences. apparently. (laughs) Exactly. So one, you have to be transparent. Uh, Two, you have to share your secret sauce. And then three, you have to share some of the mistakes you've made so that we don't make the same ones. And each Mm -hmm. of them uh, were willing to do that. So I'm really excited about that. But more importantly, we've designed the conference, not just to be for pastors, but also for, for church leaders, whether they're staff or or simply officers or ministry heads or leaders, because oftentimes, I'm sure, Pastor Brian, you can appreciate this. You go to these conferences, you're inspired, and then you go back to your church and you try to sell people on a vision that they didn't see. Yeah. And so there's a disconnect. Daniel said, I alone saw the vision and the people perished. So, so the concept is that we want to bring in both pastor and leaders so that everyone can hear that it's possible. Everyone can see new ways of doing ministry, because here's the thing, at the end of the summit, People are going back to the same churches with the same budgets in the same communities. The only expectation for change is that they'll have a new way of viewing things. They'll see new opportunities and they'll have some new tools to be more effective. There's so much that I love. And I have said this now, I think twice, and it just means that I, I could spend a lot of time on this conversation, but you talk about transparency and the willingness to learn. I had a leader once tell me that wisdom is learned at the feet of our mistakes Better wisdom is learned at the feet of someone else's mistakes. But many times, because we have this belief that leadership, we have to be perfect. Leadership needs to show no weakness or whatever it might be. 
we can become unwilling to share those mistakes that we've made, especially the big ones. And we all, if you've been leading for any amount of time, we've got some big ones. And they can sometimes seem embarrassing, but Scripture talks about that God can use anything for His glory, even the things that we messed up, screwed up, or blew up. And so when people come, you know, you've given a little bit of some of the speakers. What other sort of topics might they be discussing in this moment? Sure. So we'll, so first of all, we have a subject and a speaker that's amazing, uh, Dr. Nicole Martin. Uh, mm-hmm. She is a vice president with American Bible Society. She's on faculty uh, at uh, Gordon Cromwell. And she's not just going to talk to us about the word of God, but she's also going to give us a lot of data points about how the word makes a difference. Because one of the things that I've been sharing with, with in different forms is not, there's no church growth strategy or tool I can give you that's better than the word. The word comes first. Amen. And so we have to have confidence that the word still works and that the gospel is still effective and drawing and developing people into disciples. Another person that we have is Pastor James Galeon. This guy's really interesting. He was from Philly and he moved to Rocky Mount, North Carolina, you know, population not very large. And he's planted a church there by going to funeral directors in town and saying, listen, bring your, your funerals to me. We won't charge you for anything, the facility, for, for me, the musicians, nothing. We just want to be a help and a support to families in their most difficult moment. And, and what he realized was that there were people who would come to a funeral who would never otherwise enter into the, the walls of a church. Mm-hmm. And from that simple effort of him training his leaders how to shepherd people through that season, his church now is 5,000 members strong, and they've just done a great uh, building project themselves and a place that doesn't have a very large population. So, so one of the things that we are sharing in this summit is this is not just for mega churches. In fact, I don't believe in mega churches. That that definition is two thousand people a week. Beyonce has several billion views on one of her worst videos on YouTube. So none of us get to call ourselves mega. And oftentimes, larger churches are in larger population centers, which really mean they're storefront churches compared to the size of the opportunity that they have. So one of the things we're doing with the summit is trying to make sure that persons at different size churches Mm. can find tools and principles that will be applicable to their current state of being. And so we're encouraging folks to register. They can go to kingdom.global, www.kingdom.global and and register. We have both in-person and online opportunities. And I really think that folks will be blessed by taking advantage of this opportunity. I don't normally do this, but as a pastor, I know that I have people come to me and they go, hey, you should listen to this or you should go to this. I heard this on the radio or I heard this on podcast. If you're not a ministry leader, that's okay. Um, maybe God has you connected with a ministry leader that can really grow from this experience. So I encourage them, have them grab the podcast or just give them the web address we just gave, kingdom.global, www.kingdom.global, and you can find out about the Kingdom Leadership Summit right there. Now, when we talk about leadership, we can't separate this idea of leadership from change management. We can't separate the idea of leadership from transitions. And there's an old statement that no one likes change. I don't believe that's true. I believe it's like this. No one likes change. They don't initiate. We all like change if we're the ones initiating it. But there's been a whole lot of things over the last 30 months or so that have been put upon us. And we can't help but change. There's been a whole lot of things that we might have chose differently about, particularly poignant we think about leading different groups of people who have different views about so many different things that have come up over the last several years. Um, in these areas and arenas, or what do you think is important? What do you think when we think about the challenges that we've just come through and we're now facing will be some of the, the takeaways from that conference that can help underscore leaders why they don't want to miss the conference, especially when we talk about leading change and navigating transitions? 
Yeah. So great, great point. I, I'm a big, I agree with you 110% that change oftentimes is, it feels like loss, yeah. even if it's changed for the better. Right. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things we have to do, and one of the things I started preaching during the pandemic uh, was the concept of when Peter, you know, after Jesus is resurrected, goes back fishing. He goes back to his default setting after all the, I mean, he's in the inner circle and yeah. he still goes back to his default setting. So one of the things that we're trying to do in the summit on the sort of press on the tail end of the pandemic is to say, listen, here are tools to keep you from going back to your default setting. Mm-hmm. So if you don't learn to practice something new, you have muscle memory and you're going to do what you've always done. So don't go back insular now that you've been forced out by the pandemic. All of our churches had to invest in our online ministries. All of our churches started doing more uh, in terms of feeding and, and helping persons out. Let's not go back and be insular and be the chosen frozen and the Christian country club. Let's make sure that we continue to be outward focused because that's where the work is. And so we have uh, several presenters that are going to be speaking specifically about how transitioning works. Uh, for instance, I'm a founder and I recognize that there's certain benefits to being a founder. I don't have to fight against uh, an existing framework of ministry. But the truth of the matter is most pastors inherit a hundred or 200 year history that they're always battling against. For me as a founder, I get to dream and hear from God and move forward. Most pastors have to dream and then figure out politically how they're going to sell it to the board. And so we have persons that talk about how navigating through change and how change resistance is part of the job description of every pastor. Love that. Um, That isn't something I think they teach a lot in seminary either. They talk about it, but it's one of those on-the-job experiences that can't be really done in a classroom. You just got to learn in many ways. Now, could you share maybe a story in the last minute or so that highlights some of the, the benefits or the fruit of a conference that you've led like this or this conference in the past that has really helped a ministry or a leader to excel? Sure, absolutely. So the the church I have now is the is the offspring of going to a conference like this. I went to a conference years ago and first heard about the whole multi-site model of ministry. Yeah. And I came back home and said, why can't we do it here? From there, we launched at the beginning of the recession in 2006 at Montgomery Blair High School in Silver Spring, what we called Retemple North. And the rest, as they say, is history. The congregation that we have now is a direct offshoot of an investment I made 20 years ago to go to a conference and learn a new way of doing ministry. I'm still preaching, but God gave me a new way of preaching in a new place. And the Lord is certainly blessed and honored that effort. Yeah. And so I know for sure that for those who take the time to come and to be a part of that, they'll be blessed by that. So let's go back a little bit. We said a few times, but just, you know, if I'm in an elevator with you, Pastor Wadley, and I'm like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm going to this conference. Give me the elevator pitch. Why should I go with you? Because very clearly and simply, what you invest in yourself in terms of leadership development becomes an exponential force multiplier of your ministry. Mm -hmm. It literally means that you'll still be preaching, but you'll be preaching in a different way, in a different venue, in a different modality that will allow you to have greater. We all have still the same 24 hours, but learning how to steward that time better, seeing what's in your hand, just like God asked Moses and seeing the possibilities that you never imagined before. That's what this conference is about. And at some point, you have to make the decision to invest in your own development. I have, for the last 15 years, paid thousands and thousands of dollars to try to improve my leadership capacity. we got some great partners, so you don't have to pay nearly that much. We wanted to make it available to as many people as possible. And I believe as you get off the elevator now, you'll be well to go ahead and register for the conference. Well, you sold me. 
So thanks for doing that, I'm sure. And I hope that you sold some of our listeners the reminder that none of us have arrived. We're all on that journey in growing and spiritual sanctification, obviously, but in leadership, in learning how to be more effective. And might I say being around other like-minded people, humbly seeking justice, you know, acting in the way that God wants to, that never hurts as a community. Because I think if you're a leader, you know, many times this feeling that you're the only one. It's one of the great lies of the enemy that you're isolated and you're the only one. So at minimum, you can come meet some other wonderful men and women of God who are on the same journey together, learning how better to be kingdom builders. So I want to tell you about that again. You can go to the website, www.kingdom.global, and find out about the Kingdom Leadership Summit that's happening coming up next weekend, November 15th to 17th. Of course, if you want to talk to Pastor Wadley, you can reach him. You can email him at pastor at kingdom.global. That's pastor at kingdom.global. Pastor Wadley, thanks for joining me today. It's just been a privilege to talk to you. Pastor Brian, really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and if you would like to talk to me, you can get a hold of me several ways. One way through the radio station. You can just send an email to comment at wava.com, and they'll make sure it gets to me. Or if you'd like to call me on the thing called the phone, you can do that as well. You can reach me here at Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn at 703-729-3900. So listeners, thanks for joining us today, and thanks for your willingness to step in and grow in the area of your leadership. Because as we grow in the area of our leadership, God can use us in better and more significant ways Because God wants to make sure that the world hears the truth, that it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, DC metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.